last week we began to look at this passage and we're going to begin looking at the first 10 verses this evening. In a study that we've entitled Imposters and Imprimaturs. John chapter 10, follow as we read verses 1 through 10. I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them. And his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Now, last week we looked at an overview of this dialogue is taking place here in John chapter 10. I want to recount some of the things that we emphasized because this passage is Christological. It is Christocentric in its significance. It is centered on Christ and it's spoken in the first person. It's not one of the apostles speaking about Christ, or it's not even the blind man healed who has been speaking to his community, to the Pharisees about Christ. It is Christ in his own words speaking of his significance. So we said last week that while we have a chapter division in our Bibles, this is really a continuance of the dialogue that is taking place from chapter 9. It's in the same context. And Jesus, at the end of chapter 9, is speaking to the Pharisees. He continues with the words that we have just read, speaking to the Pharisees. In the audience is also the blind man who has been healed, who is worshiping Jesus, and the disciples all of them are going to be embraced in the conversation, included in the descriptions that Jesus is going to use. As he uses this figure of speech, as he tells this illustration, what Jesus has to say is going to embrace this healed man in a relationship of breathtaking significance. The disciples as well will be embraced in this relationship. But once again, because they have rejected the voice of Jesus, the Pharisees are going to be excluded from all that Jesus is saying and characterized 
in some very negative ways. We just read in verse 6 that Jesus was using a figure of speech, and we'll look at this a little bit further in just a moment. But this passage is filled with contrast, with corresponding dynamics as well as opposing dynamics. There's the sheep and the shepherd. There is this dynamic of sheep, stranger, and shepherd. There is this contrast between shepherd and hired hand. There is a distinction, an opposing distinction that is made between the thief and Jesus as he speaks of himself. There are the polar opposites of the sheep and the wolf, of death and life. And then the dynamic, one that pervades this teaching of Jesus that is centered around listening, knowing, and following. And as we've emphasized already, all of these will serve to define the preeminence of Christ in his sufficiency and his authority. We also looked last week at the fact that this is the sixth of the seven signs that John presents to give evidence that Jesus is the Messiah and to prompt people to put their faith in him so that they will have eternal life. It also includes two of the I am sayings that Jesus speaks in John that identifies his identity as one who is divine, who is truly God. And the two that Jesus speaks, and one in particular, is going to reveal some of the most profound images that are found in the Old Testament concerning God in covenant relationship with his people. And we'll see that as we go through the study this evening. And then we noted last week that Jesus is unequivocal in declaring that he is the only one and the only way to salvation. That there is no other means of being saved except in coming through him. That there are no alternatives to his care and his actions on behalf of his sheep. He is also going to emphasize something that he has already spoken of, particularly in John chapter 5, regarding his authority and the authority that he has to determine the composition of the one true flock. And then finally, we said that the unambiguous nature of these declarations that Jesus is speaking will be reinforced as he uses a repeated emphasis and drives home these truths. In reality, it is truth singular because it is about him and he is the truth. And he is the truth that ultimately determines the destiny and the well-being of everyone in the world. So as we come to this passage, one of the first things that we want to take note of is what John said in verse 6, that Jesus was using a figure of speech. 
Now, John's gospel does not include any parables. Those are only found in the synoptics. But Jesus is using an illustration here or an extended metaphor in place of where we might find parables if we're reading the synoptics. Now, this figure of speech that Jesus is presenting begins with an illustration in verses 1 through 5, and that sets the foundation. That brings into play a number of the dynamics. It also brings us to a number of the imprimaturs that we are going to look at tonight. And then Jesus will follow with an explanation about the gate and then follow that subsequently with an explanation about the shepherd. And these are the two I am's that will reveal the exclusiveness, the deity, the godness of Jesus. So some of the descriptions that we see are sheep, pen, gate, Shepherd, shepherd is one who enters by the gate. There is the watchman or the gatekeeper. There are thieves and robbers, and they are defined as anyone who climbs in some other way than coming in through the gate. There are strangers, and a stranger is defined as anyone whose voice is not that of the shepherd. And then as we read through this passage and as Jesus gives this illustration, we see that there are a number of actions. Again, there are those that climb in by some way other than the gateway. And then there is the one, the shepherd, who enters through the gate. Then there are the actions of listening and following. As we look at this passage, we look at these first two verses. Jesus said, Verily I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. Remember that Jesus is speaking directly to the Pharisees. The conversation carrying over from their question to him. Are you saying that we're blind too? And Jesus responding to that about their guilt. They claim that they could see. They claim that they know. But Jesus declared that they were blind. And so then he continued. Very truly, I tell you, or amen, amen. So be it, so be it. I tell you. And speaking directly to the Pharisees, Jesus employs this illustration. It's an extended metaphor. It would have been familiar in its concept, in its dynamics, or at least it should have been familiar to the Pharisees. For they were the ones that claimed to know the word so well. In fact, they had said to this blind man healed, we know, we know, we know this man is not from God. We know he does not speak the truth. So they should have known, but as we read in verse 6, they didn't understand what Jesus was telling them as he used this illustration. 
But in Ezekiel 34, the Lord speaks. And he said to Ezekiel, using a term that Jesus uses about himself. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to you, shepherds of Israel, who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? And then he went on to say, you have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. I encourage you to read this passage. There's more verses than just these that I've selected. Verse two is this prophecy against the shepherds who only took care of themselves. Verse four is a characterization of how they treated the flock. Again, there's more in the description that the Lord gives. Read it so that you understand fully what is in the mind and the heart of Jesus as he is speaking here to the Pharisees. Think of how the Pharisees dealt with this healed blind man. They interrogated him. They refused to accept what had happened to him. They brought in his parents and intimidated them, caused them to abandon their son. And then they questioned harshly, interrogating again this healed blind man. And then finally, they threw him out of the synagogue, threw him out of their presence. They had dealt so harshly with this man. Nowhere do we find that the ministry of the Pharisees, despite how much of the word they claim to know, how much of the truth they claim to possess, nowhere can we find an example that their ministry brought healing or blessing. Never can we find that when Jesus brought blessing and healing to someone, particularly on the Sabbath, did they approve. They always condemned it. They always tried to rob that blessing that had been given. And worst of all, as we see in their interrogation with the healed blind man, they rejected the gate through whom he had received his sight. They rejected the work of Jesus, the legitimacy of Jesus. The fact that Jesus had brought this healing, and this blessing to the man. And so these two things characterize them as thieves and robbers. They robbed the people of blessing, and they stole attention and honor from Jesus. Further on in Isaiah 34, the Lord spoke again, this time with a messianic promise. And he said, I will save my flock, and they will no longer be plundered. I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will tend them. He will tend them and be their shepherd. Now we know well from reading the Psalms and from the promises that God made to the psalmist, promises of covenant, 
Promises of one who would sit on David's throne, whose kingdom would be everlasting. We also know from the references that are made to Jesus throughout Scripture that to identify David is also to identify Jesus. To identify Jesus is to identify him with David. He is David's son. He is David's greater son. He is the messianic fulfillment of all the promises that God had made to David. And so when the Lord is speaking here, and he speaks of one shepherd, my servant, David. He's not speaking of resurrecting David from the dead and making him the shepherd, although he is characterized by his shepherding ability. For the Psalms say that he led the people and shepherded them with integrity of heart. He was a man after God's own heart. But he pointed the way. He was a forerunner. He was a type. He was an anticipation. The one who would come would be the ultimate fulfillment of those promises. Jesus, the greater son of David. He is the one who is being spoken of. And when Jesus begins to speak a little later in this passage of himself as the shepherd, it is to bring to the forefront, as he already has in numerous passages, the fact that he is the one whom the scriptures anticipated. He is the fulfillment of the promises that God had made. He is the messianic hope of Israel. He is the one for whom all had been waiting throughout the centuries in anticipation. Unfortunately, those who claim to know the most are blind to the one who is standing in front of them, despite all the evidence or the witnesses that Jesus talked about in chapter 5. They are blind. They cannot see. Their hearts are hard and calloused, they cannot understand and they will reject this messianic promise fulfilled standing in front of them. Now, as you and I read and as we will study, as we continue in this dialogue, Jesus identifies himself in his two following explanations as both the gate and the shepherd. Any message or agenda that is not Christocentric is another way. And it robs people of the only way to salvation and blessing. The Apostle Paul declared, I determined to know nothing among you but Jesus or Christ and him crucified. So any message that does not center on Jesus Christ, any message that does not exalt him and his death on the cross, his atonement for our sins, him as the gate, the only way to salvation, any message and any agenda, no matter how legitimate, 
no matter how sincere or well-being it might be, if it does not present Christ as he came and presented himself, as he was testified to by the apostles, is the way of a thief and a robber. For no other way can bring people to salvation. Again, the words of Jesus, I am the gate. Only by me, only by coming through me, can someone be saved. So any message that does not proclaim Christ in that way will rob people of salvation, will rob them of eternal life, will rob them of all the blessings that are attained by being in Christ. Here's an imprimatur for us. It's one of a number of imprimaturs that we find. The word imprimatur literally means approved to be printed. It was associated with the Roman Catholic Church. And it would be when they gave their approval that something could be printed. It would be theologically correct or doctrinally correct after their review. The word means approval or to sanction something as acceptable, correct, and right. So here's the first of several imprimaturs. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. Now remember a couple of things. First of all, Jesus is presenting an illustration. Jesus will explain the illustration later on. But he is using an illustration. He's using a setting that is very common in his day. Sheepfolds were often built at the base of a hill. They were often large enough to accommodate multiple flocks. In a village, most people were not rich enough to own a lot of sheep. They would own several sheep, maybe a half a dozen sheep. And there would be one shepherd who would care for those sheep. Sometimes multiple flocks would be brought into a sheep pen to be kept safe overnight. The walls of a sheep pen served two purposes. One was to keep the sheep in so that they didn't wander off and endanger themselves. And the second was to keep predators out. Now a thief or a robber, because of their agenda, would try to climb over the wall. Now it wasn't high enough to try and keep them out. But if they were going to steal or kill, that was the way they came, over the wall. The gatekeeper would position himself overnight in the gate so that nothing could come through him. The legitimate shepherd would never climb over the wall. He would come through the gate. And Jesus said, the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. Here's an imprimatur for us. Here's a truth that we need to understand. A legitimate shepherd is recognized by being possessed by one great concern and message to reveal Jesus Christ and his glorious gospel of grace as the singular hope 
for a broken and needy world. In Jesus' explanation, what is he going to tell us about the gate? He will tell us that he is the gate. He is the singular means of salvation for the world. Jesus came, he said, not to be served, but to serve and to give my life a ransom for many. The apostles would declare to the Sanhedrin, salvation is found in no one else. And there is no other name given under heaven by which anyone can be saved. Jesus is the singular hope of salvation and healing for this broken world. And so a legitimate shepherd will present one message. The gospel of the glorious grace of Jesus Christ. There is no other message for a legitimate shepherd. When John wrote this, we read it as the shepherd of the sheep. And we might be inclined to think of shepherd here as Jesus. But Jesus hasn't got to the point yet of identifying himself as a shepherd. He's using a figure of speech and crafting an illustration that they are very familiar and can relate to. As John wrote it, he did not use a definite article here in front of the word shepherd. In our Bibles, it says the, that is the article, but it's shepherd. Now, Peter speaks of under shepherds and the chief shepherd. And so when Jesus is talking about shepherds here, he's not yet speaking about himself. So we can take this imprimatur and apply it as we have. If I am a legitimate under shepherd of Jesus Christ, then I will be possessed by one great concern and one central message to reveal Jesus Christ, Christ and him crucified, his glorious gospel of grace. If you hear from me another message, then I am not truly a legitimate shepherd. Remember the words of the Apostle Paul to the Galatians. We looked at them last week as we talked about the Christocentric nature of this passage. He said, if anyone, including an angel from heaven, comes and preaches to you any other gospel, let a curse from God be upon him. Legitimate preachers, legitimate teachers will come through the gate. They will come through Jesus Christ. They will have no other message. They will have no other passion. It will be Jesus and his glorious gospel of grace. Be faithful shepherds of God's flock under your care, Peter wrote. When the chief shepherd comes, then he will affirm your leadership. He will affirm your ministry and he will honor you. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, Jesus said, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Here we find 
some truth about shepherding, and we'll also find a second imprimatur. First of all, the gatekeeper doesn't open the gate for just anyone, but only for the rightful shepherd. The shepherd who is known by his sheep. The shepherd whose voice the sheep will respond to. Now, we already know by Jesus' explanation that we have yet to study, but that we've read, that Jesus identifies himself as the gate. So who is the gatekeeper? Well, Jesus would say to his disciples in John chapter 16, just before his death, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. He will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. So who is the gatekeeper? None other than the Holy Spirit. For he is the one who reveals Jesus. He is the one that opens the way to Jesus. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians and said, No one can call Jesus Lord except through the Holy Spirit. Here are three truths regarding legitimate shepherds. Number one, the Holy Spirit only honors Christ-centered ministry. He doesn't honor any other kind of ministry. He doesn't honor ministry that doesn't focus exclusively on Jesus Christ and his gospel of grace. Despite how successful that ministry might appear, it is not through the Holy Spirit. He only opens the gate for that which is Christ-centered, that which speaks the truth about Jesus. Secondly, the legitimate shepherd has a personal interest in his sheep. Jesus said he calls his own sheep by name. Now, a shepherd would work with his flock. He would give each sheep a name, or he might give them a sound, maybe playing it on a reed flute. And he would teach that sheep individually to respond to the particular name or the particular sound that he had given it. There might be, as I described earlier, multiple flocks within a sheep pen when the shepherds arrived the next morning. They would each give their own sounds and their sheep would respond accordingly. There is a description by a biblical author in, in a commentary where he had been in the Middle East and he had been in this area where there were about a dozen tents and all the sheep of different shepherds were brought into that center for the night. The next morning he watched as each of the shepherds got up and they went a little distance away from the tents and each began to play certain notes that were different from the others. And he watched as all the sheep ran out from between the tents, going in different directions 
until in just minutes, the center was empty and there was a flock with each shepherd. Jesus is telling us that legitimate under shepherds have a personal interest in their sheep. They know their sheep. They call them by name. Those sheep are important to them. They value them. And thirdly, the legitimate shepherd and the true sheep of the gate go out. Where do they go? They go out into the world. A legitimate shepherd will lead his people in the mission of Christ. And true sheep of the gate will want to follow and do what the chief shepherd has commanded. If we see those truths in place, then we can say there is a legitimate shepherd and there are true sheep of the gate. The sheep listen to his voice, Jesus said. Here's another imprimatur for us. Listening is a main emphasis as Jesus is teaching here. He's going to emphasize it about a half a dozen times. Listening and following. True sheep are devoted to listening. True sheep of the gate want to be told about Jesus. True sheep of the gate delight in being taught. It's one of the things that characterized the first church. They're in Jerusalem. We read about it in Acts chapter 2. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. It's also another way that we understand that the church at Antioch was a legitimate church because there was much teaching that took place there, and they were devoted to being taught. True sheep of the gate want to know more about Jesus. I love to tell the story, for those who know it best seem hungering and thirsting to hear it like the rest. You are a true sheep of the gate. If you have a desire to listen, to be taught, to hear more about Jesus. As Jesus continues to speak, he said, when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them. And his sheep follow them because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. In these few verses, we find shepherding theology and we'll also find another imprimatur. Some shepherding theology. Legitimate shepherds have a true spiritual concern for their sheep. Now, do we find that in the Pharisees? Do we see that they had a true concern for the spiritual welfare of the people that they were supposed to be shepherding? They were the keepers of the law. Do we find that the teachers and the scribes were concerned about the spiritual welfare of the people of Israel? Jesus said you put them in bondage. Peter characterized it as a burden that neither they nor their forefathers had been able to bear. 
They weren't concerned about the spiritual well-being. Jesus spoke a woe over them and said, woe to you. You will go to the ends of the earth to make a single disciple. And when you have finished with him, he is twice the child of hell than what he was before. They had no concern for spiritual welfare. But a legitimate shepherd will have a true spiritual concern for his sheep. And that concern will be this, that all would be led into a Christocentric life. Listen, it's not a legitimate shepherd who simply preaches that you can have a good life and a better life. The legitimate shepherd is concerned about you possessing the Christ life. He is concerned about you entering in to following Jesus Christ with all your heart. The Christocentric life, the life of Jesus, the Christ-centered life, is going to possess certain qualities and characteristics. Surrender, abiding, loving, bearing fruit. Jesus spoke of all of these things in John chapter 15. As he said, you need to abide in me. You need to be surrendered to me because without me you can do nothing. Secondly, legitimate shepherds speak with the voice of the chief shepherd. And that voice is the voice that true sheep follow. If I do not speak with the voice of the chief shepherd, if I speak words that are my own, then I don't have his voice. Jesus said, if I seek my own glory, I don't have legitimacy. But I don't seek my own glory. I seek the Father's glory. And I speak what the Father told me to say. If I speak words that do not reveal Jesus Christ, if my teaching does not cause you to see Jesus and your hearts to be drawn to him and to his purposes, then I'm not a legitimate shepherd. And I'm not speaking with the voice of Christ. True sheep will follow the voice that speaks with the voice of Christ. Strangers do not speak the language of the true shepherd. Remember, I said that shepherds would have a particular name or a particular sound by which they would call their sheep. And as they led their sheep out and they went along, they would lead their sheep by calling their names out by making those sounds. And that would keep the sheep following right after the shepherd and not wandering off. Strangers could not provoke that kind of reaction, get that kind of response from the sheep. They didn't know the name. They didn't know the sound. The sheep would not follow them. Strangers are unlegitimate shepherds. Do not speak the language of the true shepherd. And they do not speak under the influence of the gatekeeper. Again, no matter how successful their ministry might appear to be, if they don't speak the language of the true shepherd, 
then they are not ministering under the influence of the gatekeeper. The language of the gate shepherd. Think of Jesus. What was his language? What did he say? What words do we hear him speaking? How is he characterized in scripture? What is his heart, his spirit, his posture? We find him speaking of surrender to the Father's will. We see Jesus in humility, in service, in self-sacrifice, in sacrificial love. It is not a legitimate shepherd who speaks with a voice that does not speak in this way, who does not reflect the message the perspective, the way of life that characterized the true shepherd. How do you identify true sheep versus sheep that are not part of the true flock? Whether or not they listen to that language. If they heed and follow the language that characterizes the voice of the true shepherd, the example of the true shepherd, then they are true sheep. But if they reject surrender, if they reject humility, if their lives are not given in self-sacrifice, then they do not have ears for the true shepherd and they do not know his voice. What about you and me? Are we true sheep? This is how we can identify ourselves as true sheep. This is how we can know whether or not we've developed an ear to hear the true shepherd. This is how we know and can identify who is a true shepherd and who is not. Who's legitimate and who is not. May it be that you and I are true sheep. We know the voice of our shepherd. And we follow him. And may it be that those of us who speak always speak with the words and the voice of the chief shepherd. If we do, the Holy Spirit will honor our message. If we don't, he has nothing to do with us. May we be faithful to the chief shepherd. Amen. Amen.